1: To the Cocoa Express Network. Talk radio that informs. Talk radio that inspires. Talk radio that enlightens. Talk radio. Good afternoon and welcome to the Cocoa Express show for Saturday, June 16, 2018, which also happens to be Father's Day weekend. I really hope you have all been enjoying this amazing weather. We've had so much cold weather and so much rain that I am just so happy to see the sun shining on a regular basis. And today, which is um, really special for me, is we're having um, a fatherhood chat. Joining us today is Mr. Jeremy Snyder, and he is a marriage and family therapist whose career spans more than 15 years of working with individuals and families focusing on parenting, relationships, and mental health. For his work, he has been featured on New York Times, Today, CNN, and has been a speaker on panels in New York, Philadelphia, Dallas, Liverpool, England, and, you know, he's an expert. Okay, and and simply stated, he has two amazing children, and he has written a book, and it's called Fatherhood in 40-Minute Snapshots, and I read the book, and we're going to talk about the book, and I really have to tell you, it was such an amazing and enlightening and entertaining book, and I can't wait to ask a million questions, so please allow me to introduce to you Mr. Jeremy Schneider. Hello. Thank you so much for
2: having me. That that introduction brought me to tears. That was very sweet.
1: <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome, and it's, I mean, well earned. And I have to tell you, um, I'm glad you could join us. And you know, just give us a little bit about your background so that our listeners can understand who you are.
2: Uh, sure, I started writing about my kids. So again, I have twins. They're now. Uh, Fifteen and a half years old. They just uh, finished ninth grade. Um, so two high schoolers, two teenagers, which is, you know, a breeze. They're s- it's so easy, uh, he says in sarcasm. Um, <laughs> so I've been, going, huh? writing, <laughs> I've been writing about them since they were about one and a half. Um, and it was such a great way for me to kind of think about what I'm doing as a dad and a parent and kind of understand the the issues that I was, you know, grappling with and, and trying to figure out. Uh, and the reason the book is called fatherhood and 40 minute snapshots is because I, you know, one of the biggest challenges for me is I had to leave my kids in the morning every day to go to work and that 40 minute train ride on the commuter train was what I had to kind of begin to process what I had been through that morning or the night before, and that's when I did most of my writing. Pretty much every article in the book was written on the train uh, in that 40-minute clip. And so to me, in each each article is a snapshot of a particular moment in our lives, right? A, a, either a lesson learned or a, a period that we just experienced. Uh, and so that's why it's called Brotherhood in 40-Minute Snapshots. And I've been writing ever since.
1: Oh, great. I, You know, I can relate to um, the the commuter um, experience because this whole radio show is a brainchild of me sitting on a commuter train with hot chocolate. <laughs> so <and laughs> it's the Cocoa Express show. <laughs> the
2: Cocoa Express. I love it.
1: <laughs> so I, I really relate to that. And I have to tell you that, Being able to to um, read a male perspective on parenting was really enlightening because you know as women we think that you know we've processed everything we could process and to see and hear the same fears the same challenges you know um, that you are experiencing is interesting because we think we have it unlocked because we carried the child for nine months so we you know no one would understand. But you've shown um, all the, um, the fears that, that, that all parents have. You've shown the, your, your humility, your vulnerability, and all of the um, really endearing moments that a parent experiences. And coming from a male, which, you know, men usually aren't as communicative as women are with their feelings, was just the part that really touched me with regards to the book. Well,
2: thank you very much. And honestly, that is what I was going for. Um, you know, I'm 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 a touchy-feely guy, <laughs> and I really think it's important. Uh, and one of the reasons I wanted to publish the book so much is that I think it's important not just for men to see that this is a, a whole. Way, there's a whole way of being a parent that isn't the sort of stereotypical. Uh, traditional quote unquote way of doing it, but mm-hmm. I think it's really also important for women to see that that men can do it, and maybe that means women will end up expecting a little bit more out of their partners, which I think is great. But I think also it it also is saying to women, you know what? Maybe you can give your partner a chance to step up where normally you would do the whole thing yourself, and I think that's a, a give and take that my wife and ha- and I had. Um, mm-hmm. And in one of the only areas where I feel that we were lucky to have twins, it was a little bit easier for me to be involved because there were mm-hmm. two, right? If there was only one, would I have had as many opportunities? You know, while she's nursing, while she was nursing mm-hmm. one baby, I always had the other baby, you know? So, there was always a chance for me to be connected. Whereas if we had only one, I think that would have been a bit harder. She would have had to given up more time so that I could have time. Uh, mm-hmm. Whereas with twins, we were just basically, you know, tag teaming, you know, I got one, she had one back and forth, back and forth. Um, but I think it is really important that, both men and women understand that there, there is this other way of being an involved dad that isn't the sort of stereotypical macho way of doing it. And that we men have the same fears. We articulate it or act on them differently. Uh, and that there's a whole sort of uh, way of communicating that, that kind of needs to happen when parents want to really work as, as partners, you know,
1: mm-hmm.
2: yeah. And I think that's, I think it's, challenging, but it's also kind of the spice of life.
1: Yes, it is. And I really enjoyed the way you went through the phases, the finding out about becoming a parent and what that felt to you, what that was like for you. And then you moved through the different phases um, as they developed as well. And its it was like you were growing and developing along with their growth and development, which is, it's really important to understand that because Parenting comes with no guidebook, <laughs> nothing. No.
2: Nothing. <laughs> and particularly for me, and I touch on this a little bit in the book, I had a very poor parents and I had a very uh, traumatic childhood. And so not only was there no rule book or guidebook or manual, but there was no Role model. There was no one that I could look to and say, "Okay, you know, I like what they did there, but I'm going to try and make it my own way." It was basically like I'm starting from scratch. I got to figure this all out on my own, and I had no idea what I was doing. And I think, you know, it, it, earlier you touched on how women sort of uh, have a tendency to think that this is their own. This like the parenting kind of falls completely on them because they start carrying the baby. And I think it really does give women a head start uh, for for men. You know what I mean? Like above men in the sense that, you, you know, there's that connection that's building already that we men often don't have. And I think, you know, certainly men now are trying to be more involved in the pregnancy process and trying to be, more, uh, connected to that experience. And I think that's great. Um, and I certainly tried that, but for me, that beginning, you know, that first several months, especially were really very, very difficult because I didn't know my babies and I didn't, I I just, and I wasn't comfortable as a dad and that combination was really challenging,
1: Mm -hmm.
2: but you're absolutely right. I mean, for me, where I am now as a dad and as a man is leaps and bounds past where I was when they were born or even when they were three or four um, Mm -hmm. or nine or 10, you know? And I think that, you know, while I didn't know what I was doing when I started the sort of challenge of Growing to be able to meet the needs of my kids was something that fit well for me. I'm I'm good at growing and adapting and figuring out. Okay, so now I've bumped into another obstacle. I have to figure out that obstacle and get past it and be the kind of man and dad that I need to be. And mm-hmm. I think that was one of the more exciting parts. Um, but certainly, obviously one of the most challenging parts. Okay.
1: Um, and I noticed how, and I could be wrong, you equated manhood and fatherhood being um, together, that the better father you are, the better man you are. Would you, is that correct?
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think, well, cause I, you know, and I think it, it has a lot to do with that growth that you were talking about earlier and that I, I, I feel really strongly about that, the more that I grow as a dad, right, the better I am to understand what my kids need and, and how to kind of adapt to their cha- how they change as they grow up. The more that I was really challenged to be a better father, a better dad, but it also in that process made me a better man. And I think one of the – kind of ironic joys of this experience of being a parent is that it has made me such a better person. And I didn't, I didn't understand that for a long time, that by, by being a parent for my kids, by being what they needed me to be, that I would also be learning so much about myself and becoming the kind of person that I can be proud of.
1: Mm -hmm. Great. Now, would you say that becoming this father that you are now today has made you understand the true meaning of unconditional love?
2: Oh, that's such a good question. Yes. I the my only hesitation is I first learned about unconditional love from my wife. That was the first person that ever love me unconditionally uh and that you know is is a particularly kind of iconic moment in my life right that's when everything begins to change right the value almost the miracle of being loved unconditionally i think is unsurpassed by anything else in this universe and to experienced that from my wife for the first time in my life, even though I didn't fully understand what it was because I'd never had it before. But, you know, looking back, I knew that that's what had happened. And then sort of learning how to do that for my kids and receiving it back. So that obviously wasn't the goal, but to have a family that is kind of immersed in unconditional love is, you know, so different from what I experienced and so much more amazing than I even understood possible. I mean, I, you know, I, I'm one of those guys that, that while I am, you know, very sensitive and, and, you know, like very touchy feely, I'm also very uh, goal oriented, you know, and I, I, mm-hmm. you know, even before my kids were born, I had goals about the kind of, dad that I, that I wanted to be, even if I didn't know how to get there. But even thinking about it, I didn't understand it could feel the way that it does. Um, and I think that's the power of unconditional love, is that once it's unleashed, you really begin to experience things on a whole other level. And then until you kind of have that and are able to give that and experience it, uh you know it, it it's hard to sort of get to that point
1: hmm. okay. interesting um what another part of the book that I really enjoyed was when you were upset because you had to go to work <laughs> mm-hmm. um it's interesting because. Like most first-time moms, or you know, most moms after they have a baby and they do ha- and they have a career, they have to go back to work. And I know when I had my daughter, I cried that first um, day I had to go back to work. Um, all the way to, um, I took a commuter bus all the way into Manhattan, and I cried that whole way there because I was leaving my baby. And to read those yeah. pages with you having a similar experience, I was like, oh wow, they really feel like that.
2: Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I remember the first time, so my my kids were born uh, almost 10 weeks premature. So they mm-hmm. spent four weeks in the NICU and then came home. And I remember both the first time I went back to work after they were in the NICU, so I took a, a week off and then I just didn't have any more time. So I went back to work and I would just, take the train to the hospital and then meet my wife and we, we hang out with them for a few hours and then go home. And then when they came home and I stayed home for a week and then went back to work and left them again, that being in work and having that sense of I'm in the wrong place, I shouldn't be here. Right. This is, this is where my family is. And in fact, and this is, I think one of the, the unique challenges, between the experience of men and women and as parents my so i'll I'll make this real quick so my kids were in the and my wife had 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 an emergency c-section so she was still in the hospital and my boss i called my boss to just let her know i wasn't going to be in for the rest of the week and she said to me she said to me on the phone while i was in the hospital surrounded by my family that was not able to go home She said, well, why don't you come in? You can't do anything for them there. And it was just so appalling to me, that idea that I would leave my family in the hospital. Like, uh, how could I do that, right? And I just had that same kind of feeling when I went to work. And it was really hard until they started going to school. Um, And then it was a little bit easier because at least – they weren't going to be home either, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. but the first four years or so first five years until they really started kindergarten, kindergarten. And particularly because my wife was home, we were fortunate enough to be able to make that work for a while. Um, I left my family every day and it felt terrible. It felt terrible to the kids and they were so upset about it. And it was terrible for me because I knew I was causing them this pain and because they knew that I was missing out on time that I'd never get back. Mm,
1: excellent, that is just amazing. You know, I, I, re- you know, I can relate because I'm a parent also, and I understand exactly, you know, those feelings. Um, but for me, what I find, I just find that your book was just so enlightening um, with regards to your growth and development along with your kids. And I really found the story about you in the bathroom dancing with your daughter. Really interesting. <laughs>
2: yeah. I mean, <laughs> uh, it's funny cause I, I just flashed. That it was a, a story about how my daughter had started to do something new and she just had started dancing to kind of the music in her head. Um, and I was fine when she did it at home and I felt a little weird when she did it in public. She was probably three ish, something like that. Um, and I found myself uncomfortable when she did it outside the home in public. And I, you know, I realized that that was me, right? That's my own mishgas as they say. And, had nothing to do with her. And I knew that if I that if I was uncomfortable, then she was gonna be uncomfortable. And it, it really helped me to see that I needed to figure out what was going on or I just needed to join in. And there was this moment where she was in the, I think it was Panera, and she was in the bathroom and she could hear the music better in the bathroom and she uh, finished and washed her hands and started dancing. And instead of saying, come on, we gotta go, I thankfully, Joined her for a little bit. Um, and it was a really special moment. And it's kind of ironic. I actually never thought about it until the second, but um, my daughter loves musical theater. And um, one of her favorite things to do is perform. She sings and she dances. Um, and I am not tying that into the fact that we danced in a bathroom, but I'm, I, you know, I'd like to think that by not making her uncomfortable, Singing and dancing in public, that she is now much more comfortable being able to do that.
1: Um, I agree with you. So yeah, on that's that. funny
2: that you that it's funny that story struck with you.
1: Yes, and the other one was um, the fact that like most parents don't realize how um, our kids model us and mimic us, and I really um, found it interesting when you mentioned the fact that you and your wife decided to really monitor what you said and how you reacted in front of your children um, based on the, the, them repeating curse words back to you.
2: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that was the, you know, I, 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 just a real quick story. So the first time I ever heard a curse word was, I think my wife was in the car with the two of them in the car seats in the back. And she uh, I guess forgot her keys somewhere or something had happened that just was, you know, she's just so stressed out dealing with two babies essentially by herself with two toddlers by herself. Something happened and she yelled out a word and they both started saying, duck, duck, duck. Because <laughs> that's what they thought she said, thankfully. And um, it was just such a good reminder to us that, you know, w- how you know, how we act, what we say is is what they're going to to follow. And I mm-hmm. think, you know, for me, one of the things that I just didn't flat out did not understand before I became a parent was how much power we have as parents that even the small things that we do, especially when they're younger, has such a profound impact on them. And and we might not even know it, right? That's the, that's the scary part is we could be doing these little things that affect them and we don't even realize it's affecting them. And one of the really yeah. cool things that my kids did for a while was they started this, like, Daddy, remember when, and then they would tell, they would say one sentence, like, remember when we saved the sparrow? Or remember when we held hands inside your jacket? And it would be this, like, Small moment that they remembered that was kind of uh, tied to a larger experience that we had shared. And it was this really great way of like learning, oh, well, these are the kinds of moments that have impacted them, even though from my perspective, they felt like small moments. And I'll, Mm -hmm. I'll give you a quick example of one, the hand in jackets, we had gone to the zoo one day and we were walking around and it was chilly. And I'm a short guy, so all of my clothing is too big. (laughs) And so my winter jacket was too long for me. And so what they could do is they could put their hand inside my sleeve, and we could hold hands inside my sleeve. So both of our hands were warm, but inside my sleeve. And that's what they would talk about. And that would be like this thing that we would do every time we took a walk somewhere. And... I never thought about it, right? Like, to me, it was just Mm -hmm. like, oh, this is a smart way of keeping our hands warm, you know? But to them, it, like, had meaning. And, like, it just – it's neat how kids kind of help us to understand as parents when we're doing something that's good, you know, and when we're doing Mm -hmm. something that has a a positive impact on them. Yes.
1: Yes, indeed. Now, I I also – these things that stick out in my head, um, the time that you realize the importance of quiet time with your family. And I don't think we understand how important that is until we experience it. So tell us a little bit about your quiet time, um, the first experience that really opened the door for you in understanding just, you know, what that means and how important that is.
2: I mean, uh, so there's a, a a few thoughts there. I mean, I, I think as adults, that's our one of our biggest challenges right now, right? Is quiet time. What I like to think of as, as time unencumbered by the wants and needs of others, right? Time that's solely devoted to ourselves. I think, you know, I, when my kids were really young, I used to think that we always had to do Something, right? I I had to do an activity with them. I had to do. We had to go somewhere, so that they would have fun. Because I didn't. I didn't fully understand that that my being the daddy meant that the time enough time with me was enough, right? I felt I had to do something in order for them to have fun, and um. You know, one day I I wasn't feeling very well, uh, and my wife had, I think, had gone to work or something, and and I was just home with the kids, and we watched a movie together, maybe got some popcorn. I think my daughter had the idea of having popcorn, and we didn't do anything. We just sat and cuddled on the couch together, Um, and I was amazed at how delightful that was and not just because of how much I enjoyed the just the sort of physical connection with them but how realizing that you know as a dad I didn't have to do something to have this special experience with them I didn't have to be someone who you know entertained them and so on and so forth that that it, it's me. And I think that was one of the hardest things for me to learn as a dad um, mm-hmm. was that I could just be me and that would be enough for them because that's all they wanted, right? I, ha- I have a story called uh, I'm their daddy, their daddy is I. And it talks mm-hmm. about kind of the role that I would – I created of a dad and that I tried to play that role for the first couple of years and then after a while I realized I I am their daddy right like I am this man who is their daddy and that I don't need to play a role anymore because I've kind of stepped into it and I'm more comfortable with myself and I think part of that was realizing we didn't have to do anything to be together and have a, a special bonding time. Excellent that
1: is amazing I also wanted to, you know, bring up another point that you made in the book, was how important it was for your wife to have some time to herself as well, which helped the family. Explain that.
2: Especially in the, you know, so again, the first four and a half years or so, she was home with both the kids, and, you know, so she was, and a lot of that time was alone. So, I mean, she was literally juggling two kids for four and a half years, a lot of it by herself. And, it you know, she she loved being a mom, and she loved being a mom in that time. But it doesn't matter how much you love doing that. It is exhausting, and it takes a lot out of you. Um, and we really had to figure out ways to kind of keep her replenished, right? To keep her um, reinvigorated, right? And, you know, I guess the way that I always thought about it was that particularly at that point, she was kind of the core of our family. Um, I was going to work every day. So I, I wasn't unfortunately as vital to our family unit as she was. right? And so, we needed to make sure that she was in kind of the best condition we could in order for her to be able to continue what she was doing. Uh, at some point, we, you know, she was ready to start taking yoga again, which we all thought was such a great idea. And there was kind of this challenge of, you know, the guilt that she felt of leaving, the reaction of the kids, which was not very positive, <laughs> when she walked out the door, there was a lot of screaming and yelling. And I, you know, mommy, come back, come back. Um, which of course didn't make me feel good, but I, I kind of had to learn to not take that personally. Um, but I, you know, I think the issue, at least the, the perspective that I had of it was that she was so central to our family. She was really kind of holding it all together. If we didn't take care of her we were in a lot of trouble. And part of that meant she needed to take care of herself, and part of that meant I needed to make it easier for her to do that. And so, you know, we came up with the idea of Los Tres Amigos time, which is, you know, like the, the three friends time, like this it's the three of us, daddy and the kids. We can do something. We can be our own unit, like a subunit of our family, and go do something fun. Um, and ironically that worked out so well, my wife just went away last night and my son who, again, is 15 and a half was like, well, let's go to IHOP because that's what we do when we have Los Tres Amigos time. And,
1: nice.
2: you know, again, the fact that I could have said something when they were three that they'd still be using 12 years later is, you know, lucky and kind of amazing right? But that's, that idea of not just that she needs to take her time and, and take care of herself, but that I need to, I need to make that easy, right? I need to figure out a way so that the kids don't get upset. And we actually experimented, you know, the first time we did it, the kids went insane. And we just worked on different ways of doing it, kind of trying to figure out the timing so that it was, less affecting of them and also made it easier for her to do so.
1: Excellent. Um, you also, you know, mentioned um, practicing something until for for new fathers, what would you recommend to them to get them to the point where they feel comfortable in their new role? Yeah.
2: I mean, I, I think it's, it is practice. And I, I think that's the, it's the most frustrating answer because that means time. And particularly if, if dad is working, he doesn't have as much time with his kids. Um, But, you know, I I didn't know what I was doing. And the only way that I could learn what I was doing was by doing it. You know, I mean, there's, there's something about reading the textbooks, you know, like the, the, the more official how to books to be a parent. But, you know, it takes time to realize that when my daughter cries a certain way, that that's what she wants, right? And she cries mm-hmm. this way, she wants something different. You only get that with time uh, and experience. Um, and I think, you know, the the thing that worked well for me is I'm, I'm a really good uh, problem solver. I'm a good troubleshooter. Uh, and I think that perspective worked out well. I was willing to go okay, when she cries like this, let me try this. Nope, that didn't work. Well, then let me try this. Nope, that did, you know, and just keep mm-hmm. kind of playing that game until I could find something that did. Um, and then being excited that I figured something out and then, you know, doing the same thing with my son or w- whatever it was. I, I just, if there was a kind of a shortcut to being a good dad, I would... Uh, you know, market it and sell it and I would retire a really happy happy man. But I really I really think it's 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 practice and it's time and a a willingness to experiment and just try things and be able to fail and know that you know it's you know, not getting her to calm down right away is not really a failure. You're just trying to figure out what to do and i think i was very lucky my partner was very invested in me being involved with my kids so you know she she didn't jump in when i didn't get it right the first time or the second time um and i think that's really important and i i think that's a cha- it can be a challenge for moms who you know there's just so much pressure when the kids are babies or toddlers especially that you know, just one wrong thing could maybe damage them, you know, and being able to just take a step back and let let dad have a couple shots and see if he can figure it out on his own really, it it, it really makes a difference and it, it allows the, the dad to build up some confidence in their ability to take care of their own kids. Good. That's,
1: it's, that is really great advice, and um, you know, it, and when we talk about that, I, I'm going to stray off into the mental health aspect of parenting, and because we see so many stories of things going horribly wrong, you know, how important is mental health when you have children?
2: Um, who, whose mental health?
1: Or everyone. do you just mean
2: everybody's mental health? Yeah.
1: So everyone. I mean,
2: I, I, uh, I will preach the value of mental health until I no longer have a breath in my voice. Um, I firmly believe that parents need to take care of themselves, mental health wise. And I, you know, if that doesn't mean therapy, I know therapy is not for everyone. I obviously a huge believer in it, Um, having spent uh, enormous amounts of time on both sides of that uh, couch, so to speak. Um, But, you know, our mental health allows us to be more calm in stressful situations. It allows us to be more open as people. It allows us to be more flexible in the way we adapt to challenging situations, it also sets a good role model for our kids, you know. My kids know that that they're a work in progress, right? I mean, because I'm a work in progress, right? I am constantly trying to, you know, push the envelope of where my, where the obstacles, where the restraints, the confines of my personality are because of the issues that I had to deal with growing up. And while they don't know what I went through growing up, they know that I didn't have an easy childhood and they know that that's something that I work on and will continue to do so. And I think that model of, hey, if you're not feeling well, it's okay to get help. um, To me, like, my son broke his wrist a couple of weeks ago. Um, you know, we took him to the orthopedist, right? Because you need to get that looked at and we got x-rays and it turned out he did break his wrist and he wore a cast. If you're having trouble emotionally or mentally, you go to a professional and you get help. And that to me is, is uh, there's no difference in my mind. Um, and in fact, you know, with, the mounting evidence about how our mental health affects our physical health, uh, you know, particularly if we are struggling and having a problem, how the kind of uh, damage, but also just the limitation it puts on our physical health, I think it's invaluable. And so I think all parents, particularly because it's so helpful to their partner relationship, and it also is helpful to being a parent, really need to take care of their mental health. And I think also I can see that you really, you got me on my thing here. Like this is something I care really deeply about. Uh, I think also that that we need to take care of ourselves even when it's not just therapy. And I think that means things like meditation, mindfulness, yoga, exercise, uh, you know, art, you know, being able to do something creative, you know, we need our own outlets, our own time to take care of ourselves, disconnected from the world around us, whether it's the news or friends or social media, etc. And I think that is how we take care of ourselves. That is how we give ourselves a chance to like... <sighs> because I think that's invaluable. And
1: mm-hmm.
2: I think, you know the more that we can help. Parents be able to do that, you know, give themselves the opportunity to take that downtime, I think the better they will be as parents. Mm.
1: Thank you. And I, I mean, I wholeheartedly agree with you. And, you know, this is just an amazing, you know, well, it's an amazing book. And your perspective is just, it's so heartwarming, to be honest. And I'm thank thank you really. So you're welcome, and I'm really glad we have this time. But I do not want our listeners to, to escape from this without knowing how they can get the book and where they can find it.
2: Oh, well, that's, I could certainly help with that. Uh, <laughs> so you can go to my website. It's www.jgs.net. Again, my name is Jeremy G. Schneider, so it's J net, and you can order it from right there Um, and I also provide a lot of parenting and mental health tips and talk about studies and research that goes on on my Twitter which is at jgs underscore author so again that's at jgs underscore author and the book is called Fatherhood in 40 Minute Snapshot
1: Excellent. Thank you so much. I mean, I'm having such a great time, but our time is winding down. Oh, and no. Yes. You're welcome to come back anytime. You know that, okay? Oh, thank you. <laughs> sure. Um, um, what advice would you give to fathers today? I mean, we've seen... And you know you're witnessing witnessing it as well as I am. A lot of um, males being so actively involved in the lives of their children. And did you? I don't know if you saw the um, Facebook um, video of the father whose child had a breakdown on stage at a dance recital, and he hopped no, up on stage with um, the little one in his arm, holding the the older one and helping her do the oh. dance routine. Yes, and. Oh it was it was just so it was funny and it was also so sweet and you know we're seeing a lot more of that and which is good but i want to know what you would say to keep that kind of momentum going and to keep men really really opening up to being more engaged what would you what advice would you give them
2: so one of the things i talk about in the introduction of my book is the four keys to being an involved dad. And I think the m- most important one, and I, this is a hard one for dads to sort of wrap their head around sometimes, I think, but the most important one is to understand that all of the research that's been done that shows how important dad involvement is and the value that it brings in terms of better school achievement and, um, better personality flexibility, better adaptability, more success in college, uh, more success, more sati- life satisfaction as they get older into adulthood. All of the studies suggest that it's based on not how the father reports the, in- the involvement, but on how the child experiences the involvement. And what mm-hmm. that means is I can be, I can think I am involved as much as I want. But if my kids don't feel, don't experience my involvement, then I'm not doing my job. And I, so to me, what that means is that I can never rest on my laurels. I can never sit back and say, oh, I'm doing great at this. Let's just coast for a while. Because it doesn't matter what I think, right? It only matters their experience. And so I I need to keep reinforcing to them that I'm there, that I'm present, that I can be there when they need me, that I can meet the needs that they still have. Mm-hmm. And at 15, right, their needs are very different than they were when they were three.
1: Oh, but indeed.
2: I need to keep adjusting because they need to feel my involvement on a regular basis. Otherwise, my invo- my perspective of being involved is essentially meaningless. And I think that's something for for dads to really understand and and kind of wrap their heads around.
1: Thank you. Thank you very much.
2: Oh now, sure. This was my pleasure.
1: Yes, indeed. And I would like to wish you a very happy Father's Day.
2: Thank you. And I'd like to wish all of your listeners a happy Father's Day as well.
1: Oh Oh, great. You hear that, everyone out there? He wishes you a happy Father's Day. And um, like I said, you're welcome to come back. I mean, this is an amazing topic, and I'm sure, you know, marriage, family, relationships and stuff are other topics we could probably discuss at another time, too.
2: I am sure we could. I think uh, (laughs) you and I have a good rapport here.
1: Yes, indeed. So I want to tell you that it has been an honor and I enjoyed the book and we know how to get the book so that um, people can also have the same experience that I did while reading the book. And I I have to tell you, I didn't tell all the things that I learned from the book. However, there are a lot more things you can learn. So get the book.
2: (laughs) That's great. You're so sweet. Thank you.
1: (laughs) You're welcome. So you have a great day. And I want to thank Stephanie for this um, amazing opportunity as well. So um, thanks, Stephanie. And so, thank you, Stephanie. <laughs> so take care and be well. Thank you again.
2: Thank you. You too. Take care. Thanks again for having me.
1: Thank you. Okay, everyone. Now, you are well aware that we Father's Day weekend is here. And I have to tell you, At the end of every show, I tell you to take care of yourself, be good to yourself. Well, you've heard it from the professional. I just don't make this stuff up. And I think it's an amazing thing to have this opportunity to understand a male's perspective on fatherhood and raising children. And we always need to know what the other side is like because that helps us be better at what we do and who we are. And I think it's really good that... Everyone is on the same page so that um, in the long run, you have less conflict. And that's what we need, less conflict. Now, I'm not going to hold you any longer. I want everyone to go out and enjoy this amazing weather because it's so beautiful out there. I especially want our fathers to just have a good time and just enjoy being you and enjoy embracing what you've created on this planet. I mean, they're amazing things. And you have to just look at it just for the fact that you've created some amazing beings that are going to change the world going forward. So on that note, take care, be well, and God bless. Thanks for tuning in. For more content, visit us at the thecocorexpressshow.com.